Has the world gone crazy? Life is difficult. When you need help, where do you turn? Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today is December 21st, 2022, and a Merry Christmas to you as we prepare to celebrate Christmas this weekend. We're continuing our series, Chronicles of the kingdom. This is lesson 49, Kingdom Ministry, part two. This will also have a special word for us as we prepare to go into 2023. I think the Lord has a word special for us that are listening. And so with that, let's just jump on in to the lesson. I nearly entitled this lesson Kingdom Citizens or Kingdom Citizenship, but I think the lesson didn't quite get there and it really revolves around ministry to us and ministry that we do. So I'm going to continue with that title Kingdom Ministry. And we're going to start in Philippians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. You know, it says that we are citizens in heaven. And many times around Christian circles, we, we talk about, you know, this world is not our home. We are, we are not just citizens of the nation we live in, but we are citizens in God's kingdom. And so when we want to talk about kingdom citizenship, we have to understand that the process of becoming a citizen in the kingdom of God, it begins with spiritual birth. Most of us are citizens of the nations that we are born in. It is possible to become a citizen of another nation, but there is a process of things you have to go through. How does a person become a citizen in God's kingdom? Well, you cannot file paperwork, sign a membership or some card, and gain citizenship in God's kingdom. You must... Go through a spiritual birth. You must be born again. And being born again, Jesus called it being born again, being reborn. There's a lot of parallels. There's a lot of imagery here to teach us things. And you know, just like natural birth, spiritual birth is very similar. A natural birth cannot be done alone. Neither can a spiritual birth 
birth. Now, Jesus Christ has performed everything and every work involved for us to be saved. I'm not adding on to any of that work. I want to make that clear. However, for a spiritual birth, for one person to be born again, it does require a participation from others. Now, again, I'm not taking away from the work of the Lord, but God has chosen for people to be saved by hearing his word. And how can they hear his word if no one speaks it? God has chosen to use us to speak his word to people that when they hear it can receive the offer of salvation, can receive the free offer to become citizens in God's kingdom. They can become born again. But God wants us, you and I, to participate in that process. Now, we may call that process evangelism, but I want us to understand that God wants us to participate in a type of procreation. It's procreation because we're seeing people born into the kingdom of heaven, into the kingdom of God. And again, as far as a theological or doctrinal concept, we call this evangelism, but we're helping someone become born again. And God wants that. And I want us to understand that every time someone is born into God's kingdom, it strengthens the kingdom of God. Not that God needs to be strengthened, but his kingdom grows and is strengthened. And the kingdom of darkness, which exists because it's stole from the Lord, is weakened. Now, because of this, because we are defeating the kingdom of darkness every time we participate with God, when we share his message, when people become born again, when they're made citizens into God's kingdom, uh, the kingdom of darkness is not like that. It does not like to be weakened. And so our enemy, the devil, demons, etc., 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 you get the point. This side, the powers of darkness, they don't like this, and so they seek to blind the minds of everyone they can. And I mean everyone. Not just unbelievers, they will try to blind believers as well. They, their intent is they want to keep people from seeing the, the light of Jesus and the coming of his glorious kingdom. They want to keep people from doing that. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, And whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine to them. And Jesus is the light. John 8, 12. And Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Again, in Colossians 1, 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his Son. See, God is, is doing great things, but the enemy wants to blind People. He wants to blind us from the, the truth. And in the past, uh, evangelism has really largely been carried out by a type of intellectual discussion of the Word of God. I mean, 
Faith comes by hearing, hearing from the word. We're going to preach the word. People are going to get saved by the word of God. So let's talk about this. Let's try to convince people. You know, the, the old term they would call evangelist soul winners. Brother, are you a soul winner? And you, you'd be a soul winner and you'd go armed out. You'd be armed with your favorite scriptures. Let's go out and, and show people my favorite scriptures. And we would engage unbelievers or maybe even people of different denominations a different face in conversation and attempting to persuade them. I want to persuade you to believe in Jesus. I want to persuade you to, to join our church. And even in churches and from pulpits, the, the goal of evangelism in church from the pulpit would be to um, convey words and get people to persuade people to come forward and, and, and pray a prayer and, and, Suddenly the gospel and conversion ends up really being an agreement and compliance. You know, here, follow the church rules, follow the church ordinances, you know, follow our rules on baptism. You know, are you dressing right? Are you participating in certain activities we want you to? Are you being abstinent? Are you are you abstaining from things we don't want you to partake in? And this is what uh, the past has largely been about. Now, I'm not against apologetics, but often in our witnessing, we think that apologetics, <clears throat> excuse me, is the way to go. That we must persuade people. And many evangelistic crusades have been, let's, let's persuade people. Let's get out there with our apologetics and prove to them. And there have been a lot of missionaries that have gone into some very hard places because that's what missionaries do. They go into places and they try to break forth the gospel message. And, they, and they, they've seen very little success. They, they, for years and decades, they work and they don't see a lot of visible results. But today, great churches are being grown from the work that it took them years to lay seeds for and, and very difficult. And yet, in, I don't want to say this, this new generation, um, but there is a move of the Spirit. And this is not a, a new thing. It's a new thing that it hasn't been this way 50 or 100 years ago, but it was this way in the book of Acts. And we've seen in the last 100 years how this has began manifesting in Christianity, but there's been a magnification. And as we've moved into this, this new, this new millennium, we're in the 2000s now. It's not 1980 or 1990 anymore. We're, we're in, we're in 2022, but we're seeing that there, there is a change that is happening to how we witness, how we evangelize. Going door to door in the United States does not work. Not anymore. I know the Jehovah's Witnesses still do it. The Mormons sort of kind of still do it. And that's what everyone thinks when you knock on their door and you're not trying to sell them something. Um, but, you know, even people that sell, door to door sellers have abandoned going door to door. Um, I'll even argue they're beginning to abandon telemarketing, which is just call you. We won't knock on your door, we'll call you. Well, even that is beginning to fade away because we're now in an internet 
driven, social media driven, and more and more advertising buying is going through the net. And people understand those old ways don't work. Um, likewise, witnessing. The old way of persuading people doesn't work. And is that really what God intended to begin with? See, we're seeing today that God is really manifesting his presence in a different way. You know, we're living in a world where, man, darkness, a full-blown type of darkness of sin and occultic practices are really blowing up in front of our faces. Widespread darkness is coming over the world. Used to, when we talk about the occult and I don't want to just say witches, but, you know, the the type of occultic practices, whatever you want to label those practices, so much is described as New Age or Spiritism here in the States. But these practices, we would think that that sort of stuff is just something that happens in the third world, something that happens in these countries that don't have the prosperity and the, the technology that we in the United States have. But we're seeing that here, and likewise, with that comes sin, violence, crime, immorality, perversion, deception. We're seeing all this stuff that's cropping up, and you know what? That is just the physical evidence, the this, the manifestation that's happening in the spiritual world of the enemy blinding people from the truth. And as we see this darkness grow, I want us to understand that as it comes, that God is not taken by surprise, and he, likewise, is raising up a standard. He's raising up a standard. And how does that come out? Well, it's it's almost like a book of Acts, saying that God is manifesting his presence in miracles and healings and other signs when his word is preached in boldness. He's doing that. You have to understand that as gross darkness increases, the light of God shines even brighter. If you light a candle in the day in a room with lights, it's just one little light and doesn't seem to do much. But when you're in darkness, absolute darkness with no lights, and you light a candle, that one little candle, that one little flame can light up an entire room. And God is like that, the light of God. As darkness grows, the powerful miracles, the mighty working power of God increases and we're seeing that today believers god is wanting to cast out demons he's wanting to give words of knowledge words of wisdom prophecies dramatic demonstrations of the power of the spirit of god he's wanting to break through the blindness that the enemy is wanting to entrap people in so we have to understand that as darkness intensifies the light shines even more Powerfully, there's a scripture, Isaiah 60, 1 through 5, and it's very much a sort of Christmassy scripture passage, and we're talking about Christmas and the coming of the Lord, but let's read Isaiah 60, 1 through 5. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. 
Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gathered together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. Your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant. And your heart shall swell with joy. Because of the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. Matthew 4.16 quotes from this. It says, The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region in the shadow of death, the light has dawned. And of course, that scripture is referring to the coming of Jesus, the Messiah. And we associate this with Christmas and the little nativity scene and the baby being born. But we have to understand, this is not just about a baby. This is about the Lord, the God of the universe, becoming flesh and blood and entering the light of God, entering this dark world to free us. And today, he's not just a baby. He's not a baby anymore. He's he's, he's our risen Savior. He sits at the right hand of the Father. And his light is coming upon us. Notice it says that, I like this, it says darkness covers the earth, deep darkness the people. As you see things in the world get dark and deep darkness, that blindness begin to come over the people. We have to understand, the Lord will arise over you. He will arise over me. His glory will be seen upon us, church. He, he will be. You know, and, and before I get to what God is doing and really what I feel like is a word to us, I want us to understand that again, um, even even recently, God began has begun moving and manifested power upon his people. And I want to say in the past 20 or 30 years, as this manifestation has increased, we've seen the enemy in blindness attempted to veil this from people. And what he's done is he's convinced people to merchandise his power. In other words, we want, you've seen this, especially in the charismatic movement. We have a way that, you know, we're trying to build churches and denominations and we're going to enrich our, our ministers and our ministries with material goods. And all of a sudden we're going to use these power gifts. We're going to use these words of knowledge. We're going to use these healings and miracles and we begin to merchandise them and sell them. This is a sin. This is not what God had intended. It's just as evil and occultic as anything else. It's, it's, it's a perversion. When you hear someone say, send me $100 and I'll send you a prophetic word, that's a sin. You can't sell the power of God. That's what Simon the sorcerer in the book of Acts, when, when, when he saw them doing miracles and he tried to buy the Holy Spirit. You can't buy this stuff. You can't buy a healing. You can't. And, and, and what's sad is that ministers who fall for this, and I say fall because the devil, the enemy tempts. He tempts, he tempts a man of God the same way he tempts anybody else. Because if you're a believer and you're a man, you're a man of God. If you're a woman and believe you're a woman of God, doesn't matter whether you're preaching at the pulpit or you're listening from a, it doesn't matter. You're, you're men and women of God. And the enemy tempts us all the same. And sometimes, I'm going to try not to speak bad of some of these ministers, but 
they they have needs. They 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 have a family that needs to be fed. They have bills. They like anyone else, and and they have a ministry. Some of them are they they have staff. And if you're a business owner, you understand what I'm talking about. When you have employees, you're you're literally responsible for their families. If you don't pay them, how are their family's going to eat, and and you feel that weight upon you about providing, and 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 all of a sudden God begins to do something, and you're like, wow. You know, we could use this to help bring, you know, people are excited. They'll, they'll give a little extra to see. So, and all of a sudden, the temptation comes to merchandise and sell the Spirit of God. And we don't think of it that way, but that's what it is. You're selling to sell the Spirit of God because you can't sell a word of knowledge. You can't sell a healing. You can't sell a miracle. And oftentimes when you do that, what happens is with these guys is God is doing miracles. He is doing things. And you begin doing that, and then God backs off. The Spirit of God begins to back off, and all of a sudden miracles become less. The power of God becomes less. And so because they're that's what they're now selling, that's what they're now merchandising, they begin building up a hype. And they begin focusing on anything they can get a hold of. So suddenly it goes from people jumping out of wheelchairs to let me heal your headache. Um, because it's a little bit more harder to verify a headache healing. And, and, and then it moves. And then if they continue to give in to the temptation, it just, it, it moves into just a joke. Cause suddenly there is no move of God. It's all move of the flesh. And, and, one thing leads to the next. And those are for good ministers that give in. There are some guys, they were just bad to begin with. And, and I don't want to get into all that, but we, we, we've done these things. But what do you call people that do that? We call them hypocrites. And God has said over and over and over that he's not going to, he's not going to put up with that. Second Peter 2 1 says, but there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. Hypocrisy brings on swift destruction. Many of the churches you read in Revelation, there are seven churches that, that are mentioned in Revelation, Revelation 2 and 3. And these aren't specific churches. I mean, maybe from the churches that were there, but those churches no longer exist today. This is words for us, the church. And and you, they're words for us. And all but two, he tells them to repent. To repent. Revelation 2, 26 and 27, he's speaking to one, and he says, To he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over nations. He shall rule them with an iron rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like a potter's vessel, as I also have received from my father. Now, what does that mean? Um, see, he's telling this, this church to repent and keep my works until the end. To him, I will give power over a nation. God, God gives power. He's going to rule with his iron. But then he goes across and says, what? I'm going to dash things to pieces. Just like what I've received from my father. He's, God does not like hypocrisy. He, again, he tells some of these churches, repent. Revelation 2.16 tells the church, repent or else I will come quickly 
and will fight against you with the sword of my mouth. Um, we need to repent and turn away from this kind of stuff because we don't want to follow in swift destruction. But we also have to understand that God is empowering us in these dark days. He wants to demonstrate his kingdom. He wants to flow through people that have a heart for him. 2 Timothy 3.5, the back portion of that says about some of these godless people, talking about the, this darkness, says, having a form of godliness but denying his power from such people, turn away. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. I want us to understand that in these, these two scriptures from Timothy and Corinthians, the kingdom of God is not about our words. It's about the power. It's about the spirit of God. But we in the church, and I'm talking to you as a believer, a believer in Christ, this darkness has come upon some of us, and we begin to have a form of godliness. We look like Christian, but there's no power. There's no power. We need to turn away from such. We need to embrace the truth of what God is doing, about his work that he's doing in our lives. The plan of God is about full restoration. He wants to restore what he originally created. That's what the cross is about. Yes, it's forgiving us of sin. Yes, it's about redeeming us. But it's redeeming us to what? Full restoration. You, I, the planet, the universe, God wants to restore what he created. But likewise, and this is this is where I want to share, I really think the word of where the Lord is, is taking you and I and his ministry in this day that we're living in. God does not want us to be deceived or misled by the persecutions and the natural disasters coming forth in the world. Great apocalyptic or cataclysmic events are all part of a renewal process. If we want to see God bring full restoration, then he needs to renew things. This requires sometimes cataclysmic events. Believers, we have to learn to look beyond the destruction. When we look at Revelation, we sometimes see death and destruction. You need to look at the restoration of God, the kingdom, his ways, not the destruction of darkness. We all want God to, to free us, but we don't understand that to free us, he must destroy darkness. And so when God starts destroying darkness, when we look and we see, oh, that's death, we don't understand is that what we're really seeing is that we're still attached to this world. The same way in Sodom and Gomorrah, when the angels came to save Lot and his family, and they yanked them out and they said, don't look back. And Lot's wife turned and looked back. She wasn't looking back to go, man, I want to see what these angels are doing to all these evil people. She was turning back because she longed for the life she lived in Sodom. She longed for her friends and her people. And, and, and when she did, she was destroyed with them. We need to keep our eyes focused on God and what God is doing, not upon what he's destroying 
in darkness. And I want us to understand because the devil will attempt to blind us and deceive us. He's going to mislead us because darkness is falling upon the world very thickly. And, and, and disasters are only going to increase. And I feel like God wants us to know that, yes, we are in a time of transition. No transition is ever marked by some sense of stability. And I think we the church here in the United States do really, really need to understand this. We really need to grab a hold of this. There's a great changes are often marked by great tribulation. And we in the world are about to go through a great change. You know, the, the forces of darkness, they talk about it all the time. The government talks about it. You hear it. They talk about us. You know, we're entering into a new age. We're entering into a new world. We're entering. There's a great reset. See, the kingdom of darkness is is. They understand that they they want to transition into something new, and there's a transition coming, and God is behind it. But it's not what they think it is, and because of that, because we're going through this, it will be a time of instability. It won't be stable. Transitions are never stable. And, and we have to understand that, yes, there's going to be some uh, tribulations that's going to happen. But it's a time for God's people to walk in great faith and to bring forth the mighty exploits of God. It's not time to hide in fear. Listen, we're not living in a time for faint-hearted nominal believers. God doesn't want cowards in his kingdom. Makes me think of Gideon. You realize that Gideon, the great Gideon, was a coward. He was hiding in a cave and he was a coward. And God sent an angel. So when the angel is speaking, it's the message of God. And what he said, he's like going, hello there, mighty warrior, mighty man of valor. That's what God said. He's a coward hiding. God looked at him. God didn't say, well, you're a coward. God looked at him and said, you're a mighty man. And for you and I, this is not a time for us to be cowards. God has called us to be mighty men and women of God. In a time of darkness, he wants us to rise forth. He wants to shine upon us and let his glory be seen. And because of that, it's not a time for us to have religious debates and to think that religion and intellectualism will save us. The kingdom of God is not about word. It's about power. And the spirit of God is preparing to move greatly. See, we got to understand that, that as we go through these transition changes, that there's a great cleansing and dissolving of everything that opposes God. And I'm speaking about the, the church. There are things in churches that oppose God. He's about to dissolve those things as, as we move into this, this, this time that the world is moving into. Now, I'll be honest. I, I don't know what this time is. I would like to believe that we are moving towards the, the coming of the Lord, that we're about to, to, to see, yeah, some tribulation and the, the coming of the Lord and, and, and great. I will, I want to believe that, that we see that in the word and we're supposed to comfort each other with that. But at the same time, I don't know. I don't know the date or the hour. You know, maybe Jesus is coming tomorrow. Maybe it'll be a thousand years. I don't know if, if it's going to be another a hundred or a thousand years that we have to wait. 
Um, I can tell you this much. We are transitioning into some type of new era that in history they will look back upon and they will either see the move of God and things happen or they will see people cower in fear and allow darkness to reign. And if darkness reigns, know this. At some point, God will rise upon somebody and their light will break forth and conquer that darkness. It can either We can either be known as the cowards who cowered in fear and suffered under it until someone rose up, or we can be the ones to say, I want the Lord to rise up upon me. I want to step into this. I want to see this happen. I want to be the one to stand and see the ways of God and see mighty exploits done. As we get ready to close out this year, there will be one more uh, message in our Chronicles of the Kingdom series before we move on uh, to 2023. That will be next week. The title of it, by the way, a little preview is, is called All Authority. But I want to pray for you. I want to pray that this Christmas celebration this year will be good for you and your family. But I also want to pray that the boldness of God will come upon you. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, God. Lord, we acknowledge that there is a darkness, God, that there, there are dark times coming upon the world, God. But Lord, I, I also thank you. That, that you are rising, your light is rising up in your people. That God, you're not calling us to be faint-hearted. You're not calling us to lose heart, but Lord, but you're asking us to have faith, to rise up. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that all those listening to this message, God, who would hear it, God, that your spirit would come upon them, God, in boldness, God. The Lord, you begin to move in their heart, God, uh, new things, God, and new ways, God, that, Father, your presence would be upon them, Lord, that, Father, that they're witnessing, God, they begin to see more of your exploits and power, God, through your spirit. You sent your spirit to make us witnesses, God. And, Lord, I ask, God, that it wouldn't be from our words, but it would be from your spirit, from your power, God, that we begin to break through darkness and blindness in people, God, that your truth would shine out, God. Father, I pray that we begin to see fruit, God, that we've never seen before, God, that people that were hard from our witness, God, that your power would show up in such a way, God, miraculously God that no one can get their credit but you God and that we would see your kingdom advance and grow that people would be born again that they would enter into your kingdom through your power God and your love God Lord I thank you God I just ask for you to encourage comfort and embolden those of us in this Christmas season Lord we thank you in Jesus name Amen. I'd encourage you, if you've not listened to the series, to go back and begin to, to check it out. You can find all the the various lessons of our podcast on our website, as well as many other devices. But our website is christianimpact.net. And from there, you can. there are many links to whether it's Spotify or Samsung or Apple or whatever it is, YouTube, Rumble, whatever it is that you want to listen to those uh, messages, those lessons on that you can. We wish you a Merry Christmas. And until next time, God bless. Mm -hmm.